You don't be pulling that shit on them fools around the corner. Gonna cry in the car. Chronic got my mind at ease, but never think that the God won't squeeze. Sean is the man, and I'm doing all that I can. When I round, feel like the world's in the palm of my hand. All I is is all I am, and all you is, who gives a damn? It's like wop, bop, loop, bop, the wop, bam, boom, the clock. Got a few shots, you pop, drop, boom. I'm buck with the words, I went to school. When I pop you with the tool, catch a slug from a nerve. That's my word to my mother, you act stupid duke I'm hurting your mother like, what bitch? Commence to smack in the face like a pimp To put the old bitch back in the place The beat is smooth, the rap is hard Just the way I like it, bless the mic and the guard It's violent Coming at you live from the Do Break Dungeon, I'm your host, that boy Coop, back with another regular-ass episode of the Carolina Kid Podcast Rewired. This episode is brought to you by Ashy Ankles and Smelly Earringbacks. Subscribe to the Rats Intelligence anywhere podcasts are downloaded. Follow on the Rod and Karen Doctrine. Leave a nice five-star review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, and I'll read it on the show. Also, leave me a voice message and donate on anchor.fm slash thatboycoop. That's anchor.fm slash thatboycoop. What's up, niggas? Um... It's been a new week. <laughs> it's been a new week. Niggas and non-niggas and new and new and new listeners. Welcome. <laughs> um, it's it's been a new week and I'm super excited. You know why? Because a nigga has a scheduled vaccine for Friday. I'm super duper happy. I'm like, oh yes, get in my COVID vaccine. Yes, get in my COVID vaccine. Yes. Alright, but uh yeah, like like for real. Um super duper happy you know why i want a vaccine unlike some of y'all folks it's like i'm scared i don't know i don't know what it is hey y'all if you do your research you'll feel better about things especially when you understand the nuances behind things um especially like i don't know go watch a vox video there's a vox video on this right and vox explains a really great piece of information related to this so one thing i think all of us should know specifically about the vaccine is that all of the vaccines have an 100 percent efficacy rate against death and hospitalization that is the most important thing about this okay yes everyone has a slight reaction to a vaccine because it's a vaccine but what these vaccines are meant to do is keep you from being hospitalized and dying. Okay? Like, just saying. And they have a perfect, let me say it again, perfect, let me say it one more time, perfect rate against you dying and being hospitalized. So you, you can't die and you can't be hospitalized off of it. You know, you won't need, you won't, you won't, you won't have to cut your life short and you won't have to be on a respirator. Hmm? Hmm? Sound like life, don't it? Sound like, sound like life sounds really good. Doesn't it? You, you choose life or death. You, 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 you gonna raw dog this and die or you, or you, or you and be hospitalized or, or are you gonna just like 
get the vaccine, be like, <coughs> got a little cough, and you'll be okay. Because essentially, like, let's let's be real about this. Vaccines are not gonna completely get rid of it, okay? Vaccines just help you deal with getting it if you do get it, right? So let's say I get a vaccine, right? And you know, I'm I don't have any adverse reactions or anything. I'm doing pretty good, but you know, weeks down the line, you know, I get a little, <coughs> you know, I'm like, oh, this is bearable, but I, this little thing, I don't even know what it was, and that's all you deal with if you ever contract the virus, right? Now I'm not gonna be stupid or nothing, be like, oh, I ain't wearing no mask today. Don't don't be doing bare face mask. Don't be doing no naked face mask. You know, or na- naked face uh, living out here. That's that's reckless. Okay, we don't do that. We don't do that in 2021. We don't do that. It's people out here that's like, uh, what's a mask? And I'm like, see, that's why I don't fuck with you. You know, <laughs> that's why I don't know you. That's why I don't fuck with you. So, niggas is wild not here. I'm just saying, get vaccinated. Like, just get vaccinated. It's really not that hard. Like, I know people be like, ooh, needle. But I'm like, this, you want to live? or You, <laughs> you want to live or you want to, you know... Be, be on a you know ventilator and die i'm just saying i'm just, I'm just saying this is real shit <laughs> you know because people are like well, i don't need anti-vaxxers and i'm like no never no you're stupid <laughs> you're, you're stupid so i have a few you know true crime pieces here um actually you know what let's just do one I got one story here on true crime and uh this episode's not gonna be that long so um i'm gonna kind of go over a couple things and um yeah get out of y'all way so let's talk about the tragic tale of sammy berman sammy berman so dr laura berman's son samuel dead at 16 from drug overdose that's right died now you're like why is this important Keep listening. Dr. Laura Berman's 16-year-old Samuel had tra- has tragically died of a drug overdose. The quote-unquote shattered relationship therapist revealed the heartbreaking news via Instagram, saying that Samuel's overdose was on fentanyl-laced Xanax. That's right, fentanyl-laced Xanax. My beautiful boy is gone, 16 years old, sheltering at home. A drug dealer connected with him on Snapchat and gave him fentanyl-laced Xanax, and he overdosed in his room. She wrote alongside a photo of her and her son. My heart is completely shattered, and I am not sure how to keep breathing. The Language of Love podcast host shared her tragedy so that not one more kid dies. The therapist said her son was a straight-A student getting ready for college. Experimentation gone bad. He got the drugs delivered to the house. She continued, please watch your kids. And in big capital letters, watch Snapchat especially. That's how they get them. On her Instagram story, Berman reshared a post calling for parents to have their teens get off Snapchat. Our deepest sympathies are with the family and friends of Samuel Berman Chapman, and we are heartbroken by his passing, a snap spokesperson told page six in a statement on Monday. We are committed to working together with law enforcement in this case and in all instances where Snapchat is used for illegal purposes. We have a zero tolerance policy for using Snapchat to buy or sell illegal drugs. The statement continued, noting using Snapchat for illegal purposes goes against the company's community guidelines. 
We are constantly improving our technological capabilities to detect, to detect drug-related activity so that we can intervene proactively. We have no higher priority than keeping Snapchat a safe environment and we will continue to invest in protecting our community. Damn. Following the news of Berman and classmates of Samuel showered her with support. I am a student at Milken who was in two of Sam's classes and can personally say that he was such a king soul. Commented one friend, I am so sorry for you and your family's loss. Sam didn't deserve to die so soon. I'm sending my love and prayers. Heart emoji. May he rest in peace. Dr. Laura, my heart is shattered in a million pieces for you. I have a 15-year-old son, and I am so sorry, commented one follower. So, um, with all of this being said, um, this is kind of part of an epidemic um, that is growing into the more affluent circles because Dr. Berman, to me, is a very successful, very accomplished doctor you know with all these degrees and she's like a you know a, 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 an expert on a lot of things right she even has her own like successful podcast where she's talking about you know a lot of these things um that kind of prepares her for what she's dealing with right now but no one could be prepared for having their 15 or 16 year old son die of an overdose out of nowhere right it's it's fucked up but um Truly, I do believe that um, a conversation can be had about um, the opioid crisis not really getting attention until people of a certain class and of a certain race are involved. Um, same thing with crack back in the day. You know, nobody cared, you know, that black people was getting hooked on crack, whole families being torn apart from it, people dying, you know kids being born with it in their lungs and you know what i'm saying like it's it's something that it takes a certain group of people to have it happen to them for for the masses to understand right um the opioid crisis is something i've known about for for a few years at least um and if you've seen euphoria that's that's definitely a show that talks about it right um there's also, you know, a great documentary that's on Netflix. You can go watch it right now. It's called The Pharmacist. Um, and it talks about pretty much how one pharmacist was interconnected with the opioid crisis and how Purdue Pharma is just a, a machine of evil. You know, now they're 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 gone, right? But the family that owns that shit, oh, they rich as fuck for no damn reason. They rich as a motherfuck. They got all the money. They like, mm, we are just gonna rake in all this cash off of those dead bodies, right? Like they they just did not give a fuck, right? But um, yeah, like it's an epidemic that I feel like even even the Burmans, right? They didn't know. They didn't know anything about fentanyl. They didn't know anything about opioids. They didn't know anything about drugs at all, right? Because they were in a class where it was never seen by them, right? They never thought that they had to be involved in this. And the weird thing is, you know, the attention doesn't really get there or hit home until it hits people like that right and they start spreading the awareness and stuff like that and then 
on the on the flip hand side you know people of either a certain class or a certain race are like well where were y'all you know this shit been happening the whole time oh now you care because this is happening to you you know it's that weird kind of push and pull right it's not easy to explain it's not easy to break down it's not easy to come to grips with because it all sucks it all sucks but you can see the classism and there's a little bit of racism there due to how people are helped with this right certain groups sometimes are a little bit more fortunate and are able to get their voices out to people and sometimes it takes certain people to get to, to really put a big microscope on this issue it sucks and um yeah that's that's all i gotta say about that <laughs> it's wild i'm like you know I, I just that's my take on it man um but uh please watch the pharmacist um i think it's one great documentary that if you need to know anything about the opioid crisis and fentanyl and like okay bro one one, one thing that was pointed out in that documentary that fucked with me major was like they had this quarter right and i was like this quarter got a little dust on it like just a little dust it's like really tiny right how about they zoomed out right and it was like this is a fatal amount of fentanyl i was like bro that's like air like air it was so so tiny it was jarring and haunting so uh yeah moving on y'all uh <laughs> so kanye really isn't the richest black american in history um i was completely swerved on in that last article last week so um if you're like listening to last week's episode i was wrong and apparently forbes is saying that everybody else is wrong too so <laughs> forbes says no kanye west is not the richest black person in america and here's why <laughs> just like the thing was like so um madeline berg wrote this article from forbes reports that celebrity is worth nearly seven billion dollars are based on the magical thinking around sales that don't exist yet this is why he's currently worth less than one-third of that on wednesday multiple outlets record or reported that kanye west is the richest black person in america worth as much as 6.6 billion the news comes after bloomberg reported that his sneaker brand yeezy as well as yeezy gap which has yet to sell one stitch of clothing have combined value as much as 4.7 billion dollars so this is all based on like projections this is not even like a real number like the public the publication mentioned without going into full detail an additional 1.7 billion in assets so nigga they just like let's just tack on 1.7 million dollars you know we're just gonna add that it's not true based on our calculations forbes who does calculate these things estimates he's worth less than a third of that or 1.8 billion that's a big jump from last may when forbes first pegged him to be worth around 1.3 billion but nowhere near as much as the purported 6.6 billion vista's equity robert f smith remains the richest black person in the u.s worth an estimated 6 billion while aliko uh, dangote of nigeria is worth 11.8 billion dollars is the richest black person in the world y'all so i mean i don't know what they were on they were on some fuck shit 
I'm just sitting here like, bro, for why? <laughs> for why? Like, why why are we doing this? Like, it was like, yeah, so um, based on, like, predictions, on, like, Kanye, like, like he, he got to be worth, like, $7 billion. Like, nigga, for why? Like, <laughs> it was like, yeah, 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 Yeezy, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. That's going to make him, like, billions, billions, billions. Yeah, this is projected. It ain't really actual money. And Kanye, like, y'all niggas can't do math. Like, niggas was like, y'all can't do math. <laughs> now, I'm a fan of this shit, like I said before. Not really. But um, it's interesting, you know, for, for like giant news publications to be reneging in this, in this, in this financial game of, 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 of predicting people's like net worth. Nigga, don't renege in that game of space. Don't do that shit. Fucking up them books. Ran a damn Boston. <laughs> Fucking up the count. Anyway, so <laughs> I'm gonna take a break real quick. Um, but when we get back. We're going to be talking about some fuck shit, okay? Some serious fuck shit. I'm talking about some preachers, racism, maybe even a little bit of a bombshell. So, um, <laughs> let's talk about preacher splurging and shit because evangelism to me has so many issues and so many holes with it. And uh, this article is really interesting. Um, let's talk about preachers and sneakers. Um, that's right, preachers and sneakers. Let's let's talk about it. So, preachers and their five thousand dollar sneakers. While one man's that's right, five thousand dollars. You like five thousand dollars? Yes, five thousand dollars. That's like five rent payments for me. Um, <laughs> while one man started an Instagram account showing church's wealth from his couch in Dallas, Ben Kirby began asking questions about the lifestyles of the rich and famous pastors when he was watching some worship songs on YouTube on a Sunday morning in 2019. While listening to a song by Elevation Worship, Worship, a mega church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, the evangelical churchgoer noticed the lead singer's Yeezy sneakers were worth nearly the amount of his first rent check. <laughs> first rent. Nigga, that's crazy. Kirby posted to his 400 followers on Instagram. Hey, Elevation Worship, how much you paying your musicians that they can afford $800 kicks? Let me get on the payroll. Because <laughs> hey, for real, like musicians don't really be getting paid in regular, regular churches. Like I'm just being real with you. Plus, Kirby wondered how could the church, the church pastor, Stephen Furtick, one of the most popular preachers in the country, afford a new designer outfit nearly every week. With a friend's encouragement, Kirby started a new Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers. <laughs> Preachers and Sneakers is so good. Posting screenshots of pastors next to price tags and the street values of shoes that they were wearing. Within a month, the account had attracted 100,000 followers. 
At the beginning, it was easy for me to make jokes about it, right? But uh, some of the outfits are absurd. It's so easy to laugh at some of the designer pieces. The price tags are just outlandish. On his feet, though, Kirby showcased Seattle Pastor Judas Smith's 3600 Gucci jacket. Dallas Pastor T.D. Jakes' $1,250 Louboutin fanny pack and Miami Pastor Guillermo Maldonado's $2,541 Ricci crocodile belt. And he considers Paula White, former President Donald Trump's most trusted pastoral advisor who is often photographed in designer items, a preachers and sneakers quote-unquote content goldmine, posting a photo of her wearing $785 Stella McCartney sneakers. Stella McCartney has never been cheap, never will be cheap. I'm just saying there is no bird in that. No cheap, cheap. No, no chicks. Cheap. Never. <laughs> okay. Stella McCartney is expensive. Wow, bro. That's, that's some crazy shit, bro. Uh, so as the Instagram account grew, Kirby started asking more questions about wealth, class, and consumerism, including whether it's appropriate to generate massive revenue from selling the gospel of Jesus. Yeah, it gets a little tricky here. Um, I began asking, how much is too much? Kirby said. Is it okay to get rich off preach about Jesus? Is it okay to be making twice as much as the median income of your congregation? The Washington Post tried to contact several pastors featured on the Instagram account for comment, including Carl Lentz, White, and Jakes, but none of them replied, of course. Um, for the past two years, Kirby has posted and podcasted without sharing his real name, but recently decided to share his real identity with the Post with the release of his new book. <laughs> of course, you got to promote the book, right? Preachers and Sneakers. The authenticity in an age-for-profit faith and wannabe celebrity culture. <laughs> That's not exactly what it says, but you, you, you get the gist. Kirby, 31, who grew up in a Christian homeschooling family in Ruston, Louisiana, holds a degree in marketing management and an MBA. He attends non-denominational churches and considers himself an evangelical, he said. Not as in Trump is the chosen one, but I believe in sharing my faith. <laughs> What? What? This is weird. This is getting weird. Okay, I'll, I'm just, I'm just telling you, this shit is getting weird. This kind of getting off the rails. I was not expecting this, but I'm still gonna keep going. All right. So, <laughs> when Kirby began showcasing past his high fashion, he was putting dollar signs on do uh, designer items for everyone to see just how expensive the clothing items were uh, valued at. <clears throat> said. Whitney Bach, a journalist who writes about ethically sourced fashion. Ah, yeah, I know, I know those, I know those people. <laughs> I know, I know how they work. I know how they operate. First wrote about this Instagram account actually back then. So he is someone who gets Christianity enough and fashion enough, but also has a really critical eye. Bach said. He's not a known professional in either space, so he was willing to say things that people in those spaces weren't. Huh. Kirby's father is a family practice doctor, so he grew up in what he describes as a comfortable but modest lifestyle where his parents gave generously to their church because them tithes was rather plentiful. 
He remembers feeling confused when he saw his pastor Charles driving a royal blue Harley Davidson cruiser worth more than one year of his parents' tithes. Okay, the whole tithe, you know. Um, that's when he said he realized that there was a somewhat fuzzy line between successful ministry and booming businesses. Hey, man, let me just stop right here, okay? Because I already know, like, hey, man, he's going to be like, hey, man, these people got all that, all the money, all the money, they pastor, they, they evangelical pastor. <laughs> they, they making so much money, and I don't know where it's come from, like, why they keep doing this? And I'm like, hey, bro, so, you know pastor's money is like, tax-free right because of the separation of church and state right they don't have to pay no taxes on their shit <laughs> like or or their income is not taxed let me let me take that back so their income is not taxed that's why you see like these big big ass churches sometimes in texas because it's like it's like double no tax but like creflo dollar in charlotte north carolina right elevation church in charlotte north carolina this is this, this is very telling as to where the evangelicals congregate okay <laughs> my state nigga <laughs> this is crazy but i don't know if y'all remember like creflo dollar was like yeah so um i'm gonna need like this money for this jet from my congregation so we can um spread the word um across across the seas and i was like creflo you creflo dollar <laughs> why you need a jet <laughs> And everybody's like, sure, I guess. I mean, you want to spread the gospel overseas. I mean, I, I guess I'm, we're going to pitch in and we're going to have a building fund. And, and <laughs> they so-called building fund um, for Creflo's jet that he will use for non-gospel purposes. Okay. They doing all types of debaucherous shit on that damn jet. I'm being real with y'all. Like. Nigga don't need no damn jet. <laughs> nigga just want it. <laughs> this nigga want a jet, okay? There are so many evangelicals that I like that are, are are like, oh yeah, like, you know, I'm just gonna keep giving to this man who is ridiculously rich in this church with wow 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 people. You know, I'm talking about like thousands, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like thousands. Like not hundreds, thousands. Yeah, they just giving tithes and stuff. And, you know, pastors make tax-free money. Just know that. Just know that every time. So you like, oh, he's just making like 60K. He making a true 60K, bruh. <laughs> like, see, a true 60K is different. Okay. 20% of your money is there that for other people is not. Okay. Like, just, just being real. But, um... I've always seen like I just felt like it was just a ton of hypocrisy here and I, I thought it was on the verge of being sacrilegious honestly where there's a lot of pastors that are just like yeah I need money ha, for my jet ha, can you help me pay ya I'm gonna give you this uh, holy water in the mail no I'm, 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 I'm gonna stop I'm gonna stop this is terrible but um yeah like for real like this shit it's ridiculous like and, and this is where i have like problems with the church and pastors a lot of the times right i grew up in the church and i truly believe that um there's a lot of corruption in there okay there's a lot of people that are not necessarily kosher with this with this business if you will you know they're not necessarily being like 
yeah, we can sell the word of God and make money. <laughs> like, it's never been there. It's like, I, I want to get the message, you know, the word of God and still be able to, like, put food on my table. <laughs> you know? But the evangelicals are different. They're like, yeah, so I'm going to need that jet. I'm going to need that car. I'm going to need all these nice clothes. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Please don't be duped into the hype because people will will tell you like oh but it's going to god because he's a man of god don't do that shit <laughs> don't do that shit don't do that don't do that let's not do that so um moving on let's talk about the untold story of nascar driver bill lester you're like who you'll find out so <clears throat> straight from for the wind via usa today 60 year old nascar driver bill lester on why the sports confederate flag ban floored him there's much more context with this, right? So, <clears throat> Bill Lester hasn't raced in NASCAR in nearly 14 years by his own admission. And he really had no itch to scratch, quote unquote, when it came to getting back behind the wheel. But between working to promote his book, winning in reverse, defying the odds and achieving dreams, and having sponsor support, everything aligned perfectly for a comeback, no matter how brief. So, for 60-year-old Lester, Saturday's NASCAR Truck Series Freight Auctions 200 at Atlanta Motor Speedway is a one-off race for now, but he said he doesn't know how he'll feel when the green flag flies. I'm no spring chicken, Lester joked this week during a virtual press conference. For his 143rd NASCAR Truck Series race and first first since 2007 who drive the number 17 david gillian gilliland gilliland racing ford <clears throat> he has seven top 10 finishes and three poles in the third tier series and his first two cup series races was in atlanta by the way if you haven't heard yet bill lester is black yeah He's black. You know Bubba Watson. I mean, Bubba Wallace. <laughs> Bubba Watson is a golfer. Bubba Wallace is a driver. There you go. Bubba Wallace. You may have heard of Wendell Scott as well, who is like the pioneer that basically paved the way for most of these guys, right? But uh, Bill Lester is one that's not really mentioned as much. And I remember seeing him... Um, a few years ago um especially when i was like in high school as a kid right because sometimes I, I i i peek in on the nascar stuff right i wanted to be a nascar driver when i was a kid it's it's, it's a lot of stuff right but you know nascar races is fuck you know we, we can keep going there and let's continue i need to find out how i feel behind the wheel he continued do i still love it like i remember it um or is it something that's like it's okay i did it it was cool but I didn't have more burning desire and the flame is extinguished? I don't know. And am I just ex as excited um, and encouraged to find out? Maybe. So he'll have to adjust to plenty of other unknowns, like working with a new crew, chief and spotter, and hitting the track without a minute of practice or qualifying which is the result of COVID-19 restrictions. Sometimes I think I must be crazy, Lester said, but by the same token, I still love racing. I still have a passion for it. If I didn't have a passion for it, I wouldn't be doing a lot of this. 
I don't have anything to prove to anybody except myself. What Lester does know, however, is that it's he, he's returning to NASCAR that qu- looks quite different um, than the last time he was on the track. And this is why I will never. Uh, this is why I, I used to never want to like go to like NASCAR races. But let's let's keep going. Like go in person. I'm like I just watch it on, on TV. Um, so <clears throat> among only a handful of black drivers to race at the Premier Cup level, Lester has been vocal in the past about the boos and hateful receptions he received at the truck racings, um, which is weird, at, at, at the track racing in NASCAR's three national series from 1999 to 2007. I was still a kid in 99. Man. Um, in 2017, he said he felt like he was not really embraced at all by the NASCAR community when he was previously competing. Tuesday, he spoke about how motorsports are often inaccessible to people of color in part because it wasn't an inviting environment. And this is why I never became a NASCAR driver. He recalled how, as a child, he'd tune in for a NASCAR race and see a sea of white folks and Confederate flags, which was a huge turnoff, quote unquote, for him. He said as a racer, when he arrived at tracks like Martinsville, which is literally like a hop, skip and a jump away from where I'm from. Um, you know, from Greensboro, you know, you got Danville, you got Martinsville, like they like really close. Um, there were many times where my pace was quickened as he tried to, you know, get from his hauler to the garage as fast as possible. He said that he had to call out people for using the N-word on a number of occasions. But Lester credited driver Bubba Wallace for igniting a culture shift by pushing nascar last year to take the necessary and long overdue step of banning the confederate flag bubba was really fortunate to be able to take advantage of the platform that he had being at the top level of the sport to be able to say you know what nascar you talk about being america's sport we'll prove it ban the confederate flag see if you really want to put your money where your mouth is and nascar to their credit did um, I was floored. I was blown away. I was so moved that I sent an email to NASCAR president Steve Phelps and said, thank you. I really appreciate what you did. That was a huge statement because when I was racing on a more consistent basis in the mid 2000s, ears were not ready to hear it. There was no platform that I had to be able to say things that Bubba did and let them gain traction. They sunk in this time. Lester said he believes the landscape of the predominantly white male sport is changing to be a more vocally inclusive and welcoming um, sport while addressing racism and inequality within NASCAR. He also noted that the culture changes are not instantaneous, but he said he's optimistic about NASCAR's work to diversify the garage and grandstands alike. And a win from Wallace, the only black driver currently in the Cup Series who's behind the wheel of the number 2323XI racing Toyota could expedite some of those efforts. Isn't that awesome? For young black youth or youth of color, they have to see more athletes that look like them in this sport, right? Lester said, they need to see more Bubba Wallaces or Bubba Wallace having more success. It's going to come. I believe, honestly, that it's going to come with that program. But, you know, folks aren't expecting way too much too soon. It's not going to happen overnight. 
But as soon as somebody like Bubba starts winning and more folks from the black community start seeing and realizing that that's something that they can do because they see that, they have that exposure. And that'll some that'll be something that they'll start trying to do. Um, man, that's that's a lot. That's that's amazing. Um, that's amazing. Um, it, it really touches my heart when you when you hear stuff like that. Um, Bill Lester's the forgotten one because um, you know everybody knows Bubba Wallace right now. Everybody knows. Um, and if and if you want to talk about first, you know. We, Everybody knows Wendell Scott, like I said before, but um, Bill Lester was, you know, just complete. Like he took so much bullshit, and the and the and the and the fact that this was still during my lifetime, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like still Confederate flag, still all types of this crazy ass shit, bro. Like I wanted to be a kid in motorsport, right? It's not accessible for us. You couldn't make connections like that, you know. I think Bubba Wallace also had the benefit of being a lighter gentleman. Bill Lester's a little bit dark, right? He, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's he's like a you know a darker skinned brother, right? And um, it's kind of tougher because honestly, when you're lighter, things get done sometimes, especially when you have more success, right? Um, but um yeah it's crazy like i don't i didn't want to throw color into it but it's definitely a factor best believe that's a damn damn for damn sure you know that's a factor so um i have one more bombshell after this and uh after that that's gonna be it um but before that we're gonna take a break got one last piece for y'all and we're gonna get the fuck out of here this is a this is a quite quite a quite a lengthy one um but shit gets good guys gets really good guys i'm telling you so um five more lawsuits filed versus deshaun watson including one alleging sexual assault in march 2021 yeah so um that whole deshaun watson thing that i was talking about like last episode you know what just throw that shit out the window (laughs) We're not getting his ass, cause um, I be damned if this nigga. <laughs> we were all rooting for you, okay? We were all rooting for you, <laughs> okay? <laughs> this nigga, what? Okay, okay. I'm I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read it. Sarah Barship, ESPN staff writer, wrote this. Houston, five more lawsuits alleging sexual assault and inappropriate conduct were filed again against Deshaun Watson Monday, including that one alleges that the Houston Texans quarterback sexually assaulted a woman this month. Yeah, that's right. This month. (laughs) This month. That's right. What's this month? March. In March. 
This is not good. This is not good at all. The attorney representing the women, Tony Busby, has filed 12 lawsuits against Watson since last week. One lawsuit filed Monday alleges that Watson assaulted a massage therapist in March 2021 by touching her with his penis and exposing himself. Like, hey, you want to see my dick? No, it's not okay, sir. She don't need to see your dick. Okay, so let's let's keep going. Another Monday's lawsuit is centered on two massage sections, one in June 2020 and one in August 2020, in which Watson is alleged to have harassed a woman by grabbing the plaintiff's buttocks and vagina, touching her with his penis, and trying to force her to perform oral sex on him. That's very close to what we like to call rape. Rape. Okay, it's not good. This lawsuit alleges that the first massage was booked through a spa and the second through Instagram, where the woman says she did not realize that Watson was a returning client. That's crazy. This is getting really bad, guys. I, I don't, I'm gonna have to, woo. Okay, let me breathe, let me breathe real quick. <sighs> okay, all right, all right. The third lawsuit centers on an incident that allegedly took place in January 2021 and accuses Watson of exposing himself to a massage therapist, touching her with his penis and making sexually suggestive comments. The fourth lawsuit accuses Watson of harassing a massage therapist and exposing himself to the woman in August 2020. The fifth lawsuit stems from an incident that allegedly occurred in July 2020. Watson was denied or has denied wrongdoing. And his attorney, Rusty Harden, said Friday that the allegations against the quarterback are mer meritless. Mer meritless, that's what we're, we're doing, meritless. So it's a lot of allegations. This is not good. This is not good at all. You not slick, man. You not slick at all. We were all rooting for you, sir. Now we know you a damn sexual assaulting ass, damn near rapey ass nigga. After Busby's announcement of the first lawsuit Tuesday, Watson responded on Twitter by saying that he rejected a baseless six-figure settlement demand and that his or that this is about clearing my name and I look forward to doing that. Okay, whatever. At this time of the statement, Watson said that he had not seen the first lawsuit. I have never treated any woman with anything other than the utmost respect, Watson said in his statement. Define define respect. You know, define what you consider to be respect towards a woman. Because I don't think this motherfucker knows what that means. He's like, uh, trying to grab your coochie. Like, no, nigga, grabbing by the pussy is not the way we do things around here. You know, um, whatever. Busby said in an Instagram post Saturday that he would submit affidavits and evidence from several women to the Houston Police Department and the Houston District Attorney that Monday morning. He also said that he will request a grand jury consider the evidence and determine whether the charges should be brought against Watson by the state of Texas. On Friday, Busby said that this is the first time he spoke to Watson's representatives about one of the sexual assault allegations in February. Bruh, I need to, I, my mind is swirling. Nigga, what the fuck? Boo-boo-dee-boo-boo. <laughs> Boo-boo. <laughs> Why? 
Busby also said Friday that he had been contacted by more than 10 additional women aside from the 12 that he is representing in the lawsuits who have come forward with reports about similar conduct from Watson. That's 22 if you're counting. 10 plus 12. What's that? 22. Nigga, if it's 22 women, this nigga then did this shit. Beretta did that shit, okay? Everything is an allegation, but I'm still like, Beretta did that shit. It, like, when, when you start adding up numbers, you're like, well, damn, I believe that I believe anybody who is alleging this shit honestly because i like to believe the victims first until it can be proven that he didn't do this shit because i think sexual assault is a type of thing that is pretty much guilty until proven innocent like there's unfortunately that's how the nature of things are and not every single assault would be considered to be like oh yeah he did that shit like it's not always that but the numbers when you have sheer numbers it's not good Okay, it's really not good, and that's a very telling sign. We got 22 women saying that they did the similar things. Like, these similar things, like, grab by the push type things. Like, bro, it's not cool, bro. This is not cool. Never cool, never will be. Do not come to Carolina, because we do not like that shit. Okay. Last week, NFL spokesperson Brian McCarthy said that this is mad, this is a matter that's under review. Oh, of course, pertaining to the league's personal conduct policy, and the Texans said in a statement that they would stay in close contact with the NFL regarding this investigation. Let me be real with y'all about this. That personal conduct policy, when they suspend them for a few games, that shit is bullshit. Who gives a fuck about it? Okay, let's be very honest. You can't really put a number on a person who is sexually assaulting women at a really rampant rate right now. That's that's something that I don't think you can put a number on. Reprimand. Just reprimand, okay? Stop being like, oh, I'm a suspended person. Man, just like, hey, bro, you ain't getting paid. How about that? How about you might not be playing? How about that? There's that too. Okay, because suspension is one thing, but not playing entirely is a whole different thing. And let me tell you something. You damn near looking like a Bill Cosby type right now. Like, we were all rooting for your black ass. And you sitting here going like, yeah, I I need to be traded. Not because, not, not, nah, nah. Because in Houston, you got, you got bagage. Okay? You got bagage. You don't have baggage. You don't have bags. You don't have, you don't have any duffel, sir. It is bagage. Okay? Because it, it sounds like garbage. Okay? Cause that's what you acting like. You a garbage ass nigga. You was a nice, seemingly nice ass nigga with all these great things around you and trappings are beautiful. And then this nigga becomes the absolute worst human being after figuring out that he touched too many coochies. Okay, like I think, or try to, and try to pull his dick out in front of girls and be like, hey, you wanna see my dick? Like you can't do that shit, bro. That shit is inappropriate. That is never cool. That is never cool. I don't think it's cool. I don't think anybody around me thinks it's cool. Nigga, learn to keep your dick in your pants. Don't nobody wanna see your dick. Dicks be ugly. <laughs> As a nigga, I know my dick is ugly. So why would I ever show it to somebody who does not want to see the damn thing? <laughs> That's why niggas be still sending dick pics in 2021. Get the fuck out of here. On that note, <laughs> dreams being dashed and all. Support black businesses, okay? Support Sci Collective. Support many other black businesses, right? Sci Collective, they have their Instagram. You can visit their Instagram. I really think that Sci Collective is like Devlin Carter is doing great things. And yes, his stuff is on the higher end of the spectrum. So yes, don't go in there expecting to pay $120 for some shoes. I'm just gonna be real with you. This nigga's not very cheap, but his shit is amazing. Shit is amazing. 
it's phenomenal on that note it's been quite the bombshell i'll say the least like to say the least quite the bombshell um and as always thank you